everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Simply Amazing. I'm Tim Ryder from Metsmerized. We've got a very special guest with us today. Uh, former pitcher for the New York Mets, Chicago Cubs, Milwaukee Brewers. Oh, you're all around the league. Uh, member of the 2000 Mets NL pennant winning team. Made it to the Subway Series. Left-hander Glendon Rush. What's up, man? Thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. Always fun talking to some uh, Mets fans and getting back out there. Cool, man. Yeah, I'm, uh, how, uh, how's everything uh, going around your way? Everything's good. I'm in uh, Louisville, Kentucky now. I moved out of Southern California a few years ago, um, living a little slower pace of life and at home with the my family. And my boys are 16 and 12 now, so I'm spending a lot of time with them and just enjoying uh, retired life, I guess. Cool, man. Now, you were, um, you were coaching in the Padre system for a few years there, right? I was. I did three years there. I was there 2015, 16, and 17. I did the Cal League pitching coach job in Lake Elsinore. Uh, absolutely loved it. I had a blast. Loved uh, working with all those guys. And we had a great um, front office and a bunch of coaches over there. I was, I was with a bunch of guys that I was teammates with. You know, I was with Mark Pryor, Mark Loretta, Trevor Hoffman. Um, all those guys were all working there and, and kind of lured me into the coaching role and and I loved it um my only negative was missing out on what was going on with my family and with my boys so I kind of took a turn that way and got out of it and and uh now just spending most of my time with them well that's the good stuff man it is it's great it's you know I love being um I love being able to go out to their practice to their games uh all that stuff I just I just came back tonight from throwing batting practice to a bunch of 16 year olds and they were they were trying to barrel me up and take me deep so what you know right what i'm used to <laughs> very cool well i'm going to ask you a little bit about the career uh, of course you know your time with the mets um i'm going to jump right into it because this is a, a hot button topic lately uh, you were a low round draft pick uh 17th round uh to with kc in 93 what was your journey through the minors like my journey was actually pretty good. Um, I spent most of my time, um, you know, kind of just putting my nose to the grindstone. I came right, right in and, uh, you know, started started uh, right away in rookie ball as an 18-year-old kid and um, basically pitched my way through rookie ball, got a chance to go up into the Midwest League a little bit at the end of that season. And then, um, and then after, after my first season was over – went to the Midwest League again, went to the Carolina League, and then I was fortunate that um, after having a real good season in the, in the Carolina League, I jumped double-A and went to triple-A, and uh, that, that's where I really got my, my, my chops exposed, I guess you'd say. Um, you know, I was a 21-year-old in triple-A in, in back when, you know, back at that time in 1996, it was a very veteran-heavy, loaded system um, in triple-A. You faced a lot of guys that have been in the big leagues, guys that are up and down, guys that have, you know, been around a while. So that was quite a challenge for me as a 21-year-old. And I think that, that really helped uh, me mature as a pitcher and as a, as a pro ball player. I could imagine, you know, facing all that experience probably, um, this probably ended up being a positive for you, right? It was. It was great. I got, you know, I, I had some good games. I got beat around, um, but I had a outstanding group of veteran players um on, on that team in in omaha that year 
guys, tons of guys with experience that had been in the big leagues. And so they, they really took good care of me and, and, uh, you know, kind of taught me the ropes and, and how to be a pro. And, and, and I think, you know, Kansas city has always been, uh, a, a top notch classy organization. And they were back then when I came up and, and I learned a lot through them. And so by the time I ended up a Met uh, a little bit later on, I had learned a lot and how to handle myself and, um, as you saw what's going on recently with the Royals, you know, what they did with their minor league guys and everything. I mean, they're, they're top notch and, and I loved uh, being a part of that organization. Very cool. Now, after making your, you made your MLB, uh, your, uh, excuse me, MLB debut with the uh, Royals in 97. What was your first, like, holy cow, I'm here moment? Uh, that, that game was, I mean, I started, uh, I think it was like the fifth, uh, game of the, of the year, um, my rookie year. And, uh, pitched in Minnesota against Brad Radke. And uh, I, I think probably the aha moment was facing that lineup the first time through with Chuck Knobloch and um, Paul Molitor, Terry Steinbach, but, you know, guys that uh, that I had definitely seen on TV a lot as, as a younger um, kid being a fan of baseball and, and getting to hop in there and face those guys was incredible. Uh, any specific hitters, I guess, over the span of your career who just, like, had your number? Oh, there's a bunch. I got, you know, you know, being a, being a starting uh, left-handed pitcher that, that did, that wasn't overpowering and, and being in, um, especially as my career went on where I was in the national league and in the central bunch, I faced a bunch of guys, but um, Bernie Williams beat me up pretty good. I always think about him. Uh, Pools had my number at times. I got him out sometimes, but gosh, there's so many to name off. I mean, there's, I got to face, so many great hitters, Hall of Famers and everything, just because kind of that era where I came up at, at, in the late 90s, there was still um, some of those late generation Hall of Fame guys still around, you know, the, the Paul Molitors, the Eddie Murrays. Um, guys uh, Dawson. Yeah. Andre Dawson was still around, yeah. Uh, I, Andre wasn't um, – I don't think I ever faced him. I think I br- briefly saw Sandberg. Um, okay. I- Cal Ripken, all those guys. So it was nice, really cool to get to face all those guys and, and be a part of that. And Griffey, of course, a bunch of times. Um, uh, Griffey's one of the only guys, actually, that I have a – I've got a signed jersey from him just because I grew up in Seattle and was a huge Mariners fan growing up. And watching him as a kid uh, come up as, you know, as a 19-year-old and be in the big leagues and do what he did, I always looked up to him. And so he signed a jersey for me because he – he hit a bomb off me in Kansas City that landed in the uh, fountains, and uh, <laughs> so he wrote, uh, "Thanks for the splash down at the K." Uh, <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah, the jersey he signed for me, so it's pretty cool. Oh, that's awesome! I was going to ask, you know, um, you had to be a Mariners fan. Uh, you into football? You're a Seahawks fan because they had some fun teams back then. I'm a huge Seahawks fan, and I actually went to the uh, to the Super Bowl in New York that they won. Nice. Uh, yeah, that was my first ever. Uh, trip to a Super Bowl and I went obviously because my team was playing and, and they won and I was you know really close to going the next year in Arizona against New England and I said you know what I can't duplicate the great experience I had the year before so I'm just going to stay home and watch it and I'm glad I did because I probably would have been in tears if I <laughs> if I saw that one live where they where they uh, lost it at the last second yeah ah. Uh. You just got to give it to uh, give it to what's his name. Uh, oh, now I'm at a loss. Give it to Lynch. Yeah, that's yeah, all. Exactly. Oh, right. that's all. That's yeah. all they had to do. Now, um, coming to New York, I guess the uh, very late in the season in '99. Um, 
do you think the Mets had a plan for you? Did they see something in you? And I guess going into the 2000 season, I guess spring training and stuff like that, I, you know, did you did you have a feeling that you're on the radar that you could slide right into this rotation? You know, I didn't. I, I don't think they, in 99, I think they felt like I was an, a guy that they could take a flyer on, especially at, um, in September. You never see trades go down like that. Yeah. Uh, Kansas City had kind of given up on me, and so they, they made that trade in September. I got to join those guys at the end of 99. I think at that point in time, I don't really think they had a plan for me necessarily other than I was going to come in and compete for a spot in 2000. And, you know, that that was all I could ask for. I mean, um, getting the opportunity with an organization that, that just came off an NLCS appearance and, and to come in in 2000 with what we thought was a World Series-type team and, and get to be a part of it. Oh, sure. And I guess heading into 2000, um, you know, the momentum is clearly there. The talent is just, you know, through the roof. You guys added Hampton, uh, Lighter up at the top of the, the rotation. And it seemed like every time that um, I was talking to Dennis Cook, uh, Dennis Cook a couple of weeks ago, and it seems like every time you guys like found yourselves in a funk, you kind of snapped out of it. I, I, I asked him if that was more along the lines of, you know, just... <sighs> guys, we got to come on, we got to get together, we got to put things, or, or was it just, you know, we're going about our business and things are going to turn around? Well, I think that club was so veteran heavy that all those guys in that clubhouse and on that team had, had been through all those things before, which really makes a big difference. And and um, I would say that's kind of one of the differences that you see in those older style teams that were built like that. When you've got all those guys that have already been through a six or eight game losing streak and you know there's pressure and there's media and everything else and it doesn't phase them then that that brings the you know the guys like myself and Benny Agbayani and Jay Payton and Melvin Moore and all 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 of us younger guys um that were along for the ride that hadn't been through those types of situations I think that helped us a lot what was it like playing for Bobby V love Bobby V um I I couldn't thank him enough for he gave me a genuine fair shot of an opportunity in 2000 in spring training, you know, battling with um, Bobby M. Jones and Pulsifer and, and uh, Dennis Springer at the time. That was us four battling for one one job coming out of that spring training in, ro in the rotation. And he basically said, whoever whoever does the best is going to win the job. And, you know, there was really no political battle. There was no um, worry about. Who was who was where before that and everything else? He just kind of let us battle it out, and then once once I won the job, he gave me the opportunity to perform, and and I had to earn my keep and stay there, and it was it was great. And I guess up up I guess at that point, that was probably your uh, or one of your more um, successful professional seasons was that 2000 season. Do you think that that vote of confidence kind of pushed you along? It did. It was it was huge for me, especially to be surrounded by so many good pitchers on a great team. Um, the veteran guys helped me so much The you know, zeal Ventura, all those guys. And, and on the pitching staff, lighter and Hampton and Rick Reed and Bobby Jones and, and Turk and all those guys, Dennis cook, Johnny Franco, man, those guys helped me so much. Armando is awesome with me. Um, uh, having all those guys in your corner and, and really have have their confidence behind you as well as the coaching staff makes a big difference. You know, I think it kind of changed my confidence level coming off of what was kind of a up and down rough year in, in Kansas city the year before spending most of the year in triple a. Now 
I was going to say, um, you had some inconsistencies throughout the 2000 year with the Mets, but you really seemed to lock it down in September. Uh, I got the numbers here. You pitched to a 2.57 ERA uh, over six starts in September. Really appeared to find your groove. Um, did you assume you were pitching for a spot in the postseason rotation, or was the move to the bullpen somewhat anticipated? I didn't even think for 10 seconds about pitching in the rotation in the postseason. Honestly, I was concentrating on doing my best every single start down the stretch. And all I wanted to do is be a part of that team, be in the postseason and do whatever job they handed to me. And no, it didn't phase me one bit being in the bullpen. In fact, Bobby, Bobby V told me going into that um, postseason that he felt like I was going to be very valuable maybe even more valuable out of the pen than I would in the rotation because he felt like he could use me more often in middle innings and, and everything else. And that's, that's really what turned out to, to be the case. Um, I didn't get a lot of action in the first series, but man, in the NLCS and in the world series, I pitched a lot. You did. Yeah. Great numbers. 1.08 ERA over eight and a third innings, seven strikeouts and a walk. Um, what was it like to flip that switch or was it like, uh, I guess you had a couple of relief appearances in your career, correct, up until that point? Yeah, I had a couple, but um, n- nowhere near that that type of situation or pressure that goes along with the playoffs. But, you know, my, I think the, the one thing I could always fall back on is fastball command, and, and that's king in the playoffs. Is if Especially coming out of the bullpen, you got to be able to throw strikes right away. And, you know, so I relied on my fastball a lot, and, and I – I've watched some of those games back recently, you know, because they've been replaying uh, some stuff on MLB Network and everything, and it, and it's amazing. I sit back sometimes and go, God, did I ever throw any off-speed pitches? I felt like I was throwing <laughs> fastballs every pitch. Uh, we were, hey, we we were all enjoying it. We said, Rushy, blow him away, and he did. Yeah. It was great. <laughs> yeah, no, it was awesome, and and uh, it it was so much fun, and and the experiences that you'll never forget. I, you know, it's been twenty years, and I still look back on some of those games and. And I even get nervous watching them back just because, I, I mean, I know the outcome, but I, but I remember what those feelings are like when you're out there and going through those situations and being a part of the playoffs. Is, it, you, cannot, you cannot duplicate that as a, as a big league ball player. That is what it's all about. Now, you mentioned that Bobby Valentine, uh, he thought that you would thrive. Out of the out of the bullpen, is he a big matchups guy? Like, did he kind of know when to use you? Like, you know, this is a bullet that we could really, um, you know, we could pick and choose when we want to use it. You know, I felt like um, Bobby relied on the eye test more than anything. I don't think that he was a huge matchup guy. If you look at some of those outings I had, um, I stayed in and faced some some big right-handed hitters as well as left-handed hitters. So I think he felt comfortable um, that I could move the ball around and command it enough to, to get guys on both sides of the plate out. And, th- and that was, uh, I think, kind of the way he did it. Now, now here we are 20 years later, it would probably be different. We'd probably have a spreadsheet and, uh, <laughs> right, and an iPad in the dugout telling him, telling him to take me out against some of those guys. Slow motion video telling you, oh, pick that elbow up or whatever. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, winning the pennant, or oh, just postseason baseball in New York, winning the pennant in New York, what, what was that like? That was the, I mean, the experiences like that you can never duplicate, and and they just unfortunately they go too fast sometimes because you have <laughs> you know you have so much stuff going on and and you've got family and you've got tickets and you've got media and and everything else to deal with that sometimes it just flies by. But 
I just remember that city being a buzz like I've never seen anything like it before. I got my kind of my first taste of it the year before in 99 being a being a spectator on that team watching them in the playoffs, but but then the following year in the Subway Series during the regular season, I, I'd never seen anything like that. When it was Mets Yankees, man, that that city was a buzz. Oh yeah, I was uh, I was 16, 17 that summer, and uh, yeah, when when interleague play was new, that was uh, that was exciting stuff. It was, that was you know, it, you because you and your buddies, you had Mets and Yankees fans throughout. You know, within families, you have Mets and Yankees fans, and oh, that was um, those are yeah, heated games, very heated rivalries. They were heated rivalries, and then, and you know, to add on to that, you you take that that time in baseball too, where where both of the organizations were loaded. You know, you look at the Yankees. Yankees won three, almost four World Series in a row. You know, from '98 to '01, and and we were a darn good team too at the same time. So that makes it even more fun. I experienced that a little bit in Chicago too, when the when we were good on the on the North Side, and the South Siders are real good as well. Right. Right. Now, um, Matt Brownstein asked Dennis Cook this question, and I'd like to ask the same of you. Um, a lot of people have, I, I guess I, I should say there's been mixed reviews on Mike Piazza's uh, defensive skills as a catcher. Um, the more you hear from guys who actually pitch to him, uh, Mike was a, he was a good, if not decent receiver. Like, um, what, what were your thoughts on throwing to Mike? He was. He was. He he was a, definitely a better receiver than people give him credit for. And and you know he 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 was not a great thrower. I think everyone knows that. But <laughs> man, he he busted his ass behind the plate more than you know anybody that I had back there. And you love that about him. So so where, what what he lacked in throwing ability, throwing guys out that made that made me tune my game up better at holding runners and and um, being more efficient in how I change my times and looks with guy on first base i mean being a lefty i had you know dennis will tell you cookie you know you got the guy right in front of you so it's it's your fault if that guy runs on you and the, the jump's on you it's not on the catcher so you know i think um i think he deserves credit for how hard he worked back there and 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 to have him in your lineup offensively is second to none so uh you know we were lucky there we had some great we had some great catchers too. Our backups were awesome too. I love throwing to Todd Pratt and Vance Wilson. Right. Um, you know, we had Gary Bennett there for a little bit too. So <laughs> Wow, that's a blast from the past. Yeah. I mean, we had we had great guys behind the plate to throw to. That's so cool. Now moving on, I guess you went to Milwaukee, a big three team trade going to Milwaukee out of New York. But you'd been traded in the past. I have to assume that first trade from KC to New York was more of a shock than the second one, or how did that play out? The second one was not that much of a surprise because uh, at the time, you know, when Jim Duquette was was the uh, assistant GM with Steve Phillips there, um, Duke was very upfront uh, with myself and, and my agent at the time, which I, I still to this day when I talk to him, thank him for how he handled my situation because he enabled me to get uh, my first multi-year contract because he basically knew that the there was a really good chance that I was going to get traded. And so he didn't um, do anything with my arbitration case until that happened. Um, we kind of had a number put together and said, look, if, if you get traded, the team that we trade you to may offer you a multi-year deal. So I don't want to, I don't want to have you sign a one-year deal yet and, until we absolutely have to. Um, so it was pretty cool that he handled it that way. And I think that was a testament to, you know, they, I think they were, 
um, felt very good about me and, and the way I handled my situation in New York, and, and I felt the same about them. Now, going to Chicago, um, it seems you really had uh, put it all together. You probably enjoyed the best season of your career in 2004, uh, three, three, four, seven ERA. Uh, what was the time in the Windy City like? Chicago's incredible. Um, those are my favorite spots out, out of all of them. I enjoyed everywhere I played, honestly, but New York and Chicago were were a lot of fun. I think I like that that big city uh, atmosphere and and uh, kind of the downtown and, and mingling in with the with the crowd and everything else. And and uh, Chicago was a blast. Somewhere you always go as a visitor and go, man, it would be cool to play here. And and then when I got the opportunity to and to be a part of a couple really good teams there we fell a little bit short of the playoffs but man our rotation was stacked and I got to be with you know Greg Maddox and Zambrano and Woody and Pryor and Clement and all those guys that I got to be in that rotation with go back and forth was incredible I can imagine man that uh, that was that was a stacked stacked rotation fun teams um I guess moving on you, you went down to San Diego um at that point in career are you kind of just, you know, are you, you're not old at that point. I mean, early 30s. Um, you know, are you comfortable or are you just kind of staying in the league? Um, you know, I, I, I went to San Diego um, after I had the, I had a blood clot in the, at the very end of 2006. Uh, oh, right. 2007, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I had a pulmonary embolism. So I missed all of – I missed the rest of – 06 and I missed all of 07 so that was kind of more a um a personal goal like hey I, I didn't know if I'd ever pitch again um and when I when I came off the blood thinners I decided that I wanted to make a comeback and and try and make it again and so it was kind of just a personal goal and I and I I was able to do it I went back to back years you know I went um to spring training with the Padres and then the following year spring training with the Rockies as a non-roster guy and I made the team both years and um, you know, it didn't work out exactly the way I wanted it to. And honestly, I was healthy and I was throwing the ball good. I probably should have stuck around and pitched a few more years, but I wasn't that um, excited about jumping around uh, between AAA and the big leagues after, you know, I got my 10 years of, of big league service in. And at that point in time, I kind of felt like it was time to hang it up. Nice. And, you know, you had your family just, uh, you know, starting around that time and, um, yeah, that must have been a such a cool kind of achievement and uh, riding off into the sunset, living the good life. Yeah, yeah. No, it's been great. And, you know, I mean, I, I would say my only uh, regret would be that I was healthy and I, and I probably still could have stuck around and, and played some more. And, and at the time, I didn't want to go to AAA, but who knows? I might have enjoyed some AAA pitching and <laughs> back and forth and maybe, maybe putting another big league uniform on or two uh, down the road. But it worked out for the best and I took some time off and then ended up in the coaching role with the Padres. And so I've kind of got to do everything I wanted to do and who knows, maybe someday I'll end up back in, in the game somehow, uh, you know, whether it's as a coach or a special assistant or something, but I, I love being around it. Oh, I think, you know, that major league experience, um, will always carry weight. And, um, yeah, man, I mean, you know, there, there's yeah, to be able to pass information on is such a skill. You know, some guys can do it, but they can't teach it. But if you could do it and teach it, you know, I think there's always going to be a market for you, right? Yeah, that's a huge part of it. I mean, it's not easy to uh, it's not easy to 
translate what you what you do or what you want guys to do um, from a communication standpoint and being able to relate to younger generation of players and it's not easy but uh, I, I sure enjoyed it and and uh, now I get to see a bunch of those guys that I had in a ball that are that are big leaguers now so it's it's fun to see you know Joey Lucchese and Eric Lauer and Cal Quantrill and Trey Wingenner and a bunch of guys that are San Diego pitchers that I had over the over the years there that are now big leaguers. I was going to ask. I know um, Lucchese, uh, Lauer, who's in Milwaukee now, I believe, right? Yeah, he's in Milwaukee now. Yeah, I mean, these are all guys with a lot of promise, I'm sure. Um, you know, at that point in their career, uh, it was a real, you know, a benefit having someone with experience in their ear. But, uh, you know, you got your boys now, and you you, you said that they, uh, they're both playing baseball? They are. They're both. I got a... I gotta, uh... A two B junior and a two B uh, seventh grader, so they they both play and um, they enjoy it. And I I, I don't um, want anything more from them than than just to enjoy playing whatever sport it is, whatever game they play, and and have fun with it. And, and I enjoy watching it. Uh, do you find yourself, um, I guess, those competitive juices start flowing again? Oh yeah, I I think <laughs> more, I, I think more so you see the. Uh, you know, just the excitement when they succeed, you know, it's fun to, it's fun to see them, you know, get a big hit or make a good defensive play and just be a part of a team is cause you know what that feels like when you did it. Oh, for sure. And, uh, so what do you think? Do you think we're going to get a major league season this year or what? I hope so, man. I, I was, uh, you know, tw- Twitter can be uplifting and depressing. And, uh, unfortunately right now it's been more depressing than anything with everything that's going on with, the coronavirus and in the world and and now you know the baseball news today was kind of bad and and uh but uh, you know i feel like it's always playing out like a soap opera and and uh, it's playing out in public which it really shouldn't i think they need to do a better job of keeping it behind closed doors and the negotiations but hey that's the world we live in now right with twitter and and social media oh sure and you know these these uh these leaks don't make it to the media on their own and it's all a bit of posturing and you know it's it's modern negotiations but uh yeah i think we're all kind of rooting for for some baseball to be played uh i know from a player standpoint you have to kind of understand like these guys are under contract and you know they're the ones out there taking the risk do you have any uh insight as to that whole conundrum well i think i think 99% 99% of your players are going to be comfortable playing. Yeah. Uh, I, I think deep down, everyone has had some hesitations going through what we've been going through with the coronavirus. I don't think anyone feels comfortable. Nobody wants to get sick. Um, you never know what can happen with each individual case. But the one thing, the one thing I've seen, I, I don't think the players are asking for too much at all when, when you go – when they went in with, you know, was it 116 game season? I think they asked for and to play a little bit later into the year. I think those are all things that that the owners should look at and be serious about because it it, it gives you a better um, sample size of of what the guys are going to do um, throughout a longer year, and it's going to be better with a bigger playoff format. I think everyone wants to see a full DH everywhere, other than me because I love hitting, but. Uh, <laughs> But, you know, I think those changes should all come into play. I think it's a joke if they try and do a 50 or 60 game season. I think that's an absolute joke. I hope they don't do that. Uh, I'd love to see at least the 82 game season or or upwards of 100 games and expand the playoffs um, 
you know, a couple more teams on each side and, and that'll be a lot of it. That'll provide a lot of excitement and a lot of fun for baseball fans, at least the ones that they haven't pissed off too much already. Uh, you know, you, you, we, we've certainly been getting mixed reviews. Uh, you know, there are, you know, there are fans who are pissed off. There are fans who remember 1994 who are, uh, I guess, dredging up some, some foul memories from then. And, you know, they're just as angry now, but you know, you got to hope that, with everything else going on right now, baseball would just, it would kind of give everyone a little bit of solace and, uh, you know, hopefully an agreement can, can, uh, can be made. Yeah. But, um, I, th- I oh, think it will. I think it will. It's a, it's a battle, but I think they'll get it done. And, and look that they're, they're crazy not to, they, they, it can be the first big sport back. Um, everyone wants to see it and, and look, they're making some changes with what you saw went on in Texas. Um, they're talking about, they could maybe even have like, 25% capacity in some of the stadiums. So you might even see some, some fans instead of the blow up dolls, like we see in the, uh, <laughs> in the uh, Korea league, you know, so that, if that type of stuff happens, I think it would be pretty neat, right. To get at least some fans in the stadium and some, some interaction and excitement would be awesome. Oh, sure. And I, I guess, uh, have you been watching any of the, any of the Korean baseball? Like, do, can you tell uh, when you're watching on, on TV, if there's, you know, I personally, I can't really tell the difference. It doesn't, after a few innings, I don't even think, oh, wow, there's no fans in the stands. I'm just watching baseball. Yeah, I think TV games, I, I think a lot of times you, you can kind of tune it out almost. And and uh, who knows, maybe maybe we'll just watch on uh, on on mute. And then uh, <laughs> we don't want to do that to all our good announcers, though. We got a lot of good announcers I like listening to. But but it, 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 it I'm sure it's going to be a little bit odd for the players with no fans in the stands. But they'll they'll figure it out. They'll get over it. I was going to ask, I'm like, is that, is that energy? Like if you're playing to, you know, 6,000 people in, in Miami or, or, or what have you, uh, as opposed to, you know, 20,000 in a, in another stadium, you know, as a player, do you feel that change in energy? You always feel the energy in the stands, no doubt about that, especially, you know, whether it be kind of drawing some energy from the, from the hate on the road or, or being, having your home fans behind you. I think you always feel that. So that is going to be a, a difference uh, maker, I think, for the way some of the games are played. It's going to be an adjustment for the players to to deal with that that new feel of of playing, uh, you know, what we called like chain link uh, baseball down in extended spring training or or instructional league when you don't have anybody up there but scouts and front office people. So it's going to be weird. Yeah, uh, you know, it's a game of adjustments. So you'd have to you'd have to assume that guys are going to kind of just settle into a routine and go about their business. Yeah, they'll figure it out. And you know, yeah. the guys that the guys that hate signing autographs, they'll be pumped. <laughs> um, I know you mentioned before you enjoy hitting three career home runs for you. Do you remember who you took deep? Yeah, I I hit them off of Rick Helling, uh, Luke Hudson, and Chris Carpenter. All right, Chris Carpenter, nice. Yeah, he was, a, he was a hell of a pitcher. He was. He wasn't too happy when I took him deep. <laughs> Give him hell, Rushy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, man. I, I think that's all I have on my end. What are you up to these days besides chilling with the family? Yeah, I'm just hanging with the family. I may be doing some stuff for um, a company called Bet America, who's a uh, they're a, a company owned by Churchill Downs. Since I'm I'm here in the you know, the home of uh, Churchill Downs in Louisville, Kentucky. But my neighbor works on, in the online gaming industry for them for Bet America, And I may be doing some uh, some online digital content for them for their MLB season. So kind of like some uh, some game picks and stuff like that. So it'll be kind of fun because I know that 
you know, the uh, the betting portion of MLB is becoming bigger and bigger. I think it's only going to grow to where everybody's betting on games and in-game stuff. And so it should be a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to as soon as the season gets going, I'll be doing some stuff for them. Oh, I'm definitely looking forward to that. That should be awesome. Where can everybody find you on social media, Glendon? Uh, I'm at Glendon Rush on Twitter, and I think maybe Glendon Rush 33 on Instagram. Those are the only two that I do. Um, and you'll see my picture. It looks like uh, Kenny Powers, my favorite uh, <laughs> character of all time. And so, yeah, I, I, I have fun on there. Look, I, I, I try and be as positive as can be on, on Twitter and interact with the fans, and, and I love talking to people and – you know, that, that place can become so negative sometimes that I try and stay way out of that lane if I can. Yeah. Oh, it can become toxic at times. And, you know, I think we all find ourselves getting wrapped up and you just got to take a step back. That's all. Yeah, that's right. And, you know, just, you know, be kind to everybody and, and, and uh, respect everybody's opinions. And I think we'll we'll be in a better place. Uh, words of wisdom from Glendon Rush. All right, everybody. I think that's going to be it for today. We'll see you later on in the week. Um, excuse me. Next week. Tomorrow's Friday. All right. Oh, so, well, this will be coming out on Friday. But all right, guys. Hopefully, we got some better news for you. Everybody stay safe. Uh, like Just like Glendon said, be kind. That's the most important thing. And we're going to leave it off at that. Let's go, Mets, everybody. We'll see you soon. <laughs>